Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur's Podcast. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. For anyone who's out there, you can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneur's. Um, if you want questions or you want to be on the podcast, everything's going that direction, guys. You can follow my personal account, and obviously I'd love that, but I'm, we're starting to separate things out, get the marketing and stuff more concentrated on um, Instagram on Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. You'll see we'll start wiping out the old posts. There's some new stuff going in. We'll be doing some reels in New York next week uh, when we're filming there. So I just wanted everyone to be aware of that um, because I do still get some emails and I do still get people um, trying to use like Facebook and stuff. So it's just not great. Uh, we don't get a lot of questions right now because it's the holidays, which is good and a lot of contact. But if you guys do, Instagram's just the form we use. It's just easier. That's how I'm doing the marketing. That's how I communicate with the entrepreneurs that are going to be on there. Uh, so that's the best method. And just so everyone else knows also, it is Christmas here when we're recording. Uh, it's not in Australia, which we'll get in, get that into that in a second. But Merry Christmas to everyone as we record this. This will release the day after Christmas, so I hope everyone had a Merry Christmas and it was safe. But one of the things I'm doing, just so everyone knows, is I'm recording on Christmas, number one, thank you, uh, Matthew, and I'll introduce him in a second, is I'm trying to show you guys that I can consistently get this podcast out every day and there is no such thing as rest days and that I can plan my schedule and get things out even if I need to go back and edit a podcast and re-release it because there's a problem with it released or there's a problem in the episode. I still do that as well, just in case. Okay. So I will pull a podcast down if something doesn't come out right or there's an error and I don't sleep with it or don't sleep well with it. I will edit it and put it back up. And it's just who I am. I can't help. I don't want stuff that came out wrong or missed uh, that displays what we're trying to do wrong. It doesn't mean I'm trying to edit out, out what I say. I'm trying to be very free with that. But every once in a while, there's a glitch or something that I try to remove. So it doesn't happen very often, but it just did happen because of the power outages we had here in Nashville. So that being said, I'd like to introduce from Brisbane, Australia, Matthew Rollo of Hashtag Burgers and Waffles. How are you doing? Hey, man, I'm really good. Thanks for... Thanks for having me on to, to come and chat. I actually didn't realize it was Christmas Day there. Funny enough, yeah, it's the Boxing Day here today, so well, the day after day after Christmas. So yeah, Merry Christmas. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it it is um, it's been interesting because we've had snowstorms and stuff here, and um, yeah, well. and the temperatures dropped into the single digits, and will chill with wind chill into the negatives. So. Um, a lot of things like that, but I want to just, oh, and it's summertime there, so I guess it's the opposite season. It's, I didn't think about that. Hot. Yeah, it's pretty hot there. It's, it's hot in Australia. So, um, but let's talk about you, Matthew, like your entrepreneurial journey, like what's your story? How did you get started as an entrepreneur? And like, it's almost funny because I almost tripped over myself because we say chicken and waffles here so much, particularly in the South. Yeah of the United yep. States that I almost tripped over the introduction. I didn't, but you could probably hear that I almost did. And you'll have to explain why burgers and waffles and the idea and all of that, because I think even our American audience is like, okay, this is intriguing. So yep. let's start from the beginning. Yeah. Something, something a little bit, a little bit different. Chicken and chicken and waffles. I need to, 
say is absolutely amazing in in every aspect. I spent a fair bit of time down in Melbourne, um, lived down there for four years and ran restaurants down there and and things like that. And um, one of the the best things that I ever ate was was homemade buttermilk waffles with deep fried chicken. It had a thigh and it had a drumstick, and then you drizzle that with maple syrup and then whack a big thing of ice cream on the top. And it was absolutely sensational, absolutely sensational down in Melbourne. So chicken and waffles, I can see um, why you would trip over that because it tastes fantastic. Um, I think for for me, where it all started is I grew up in a little in a in a small country town at the west of Brisbane. It's called Boona, um, and it was just me and my mum, and it was a it was it was it was quite an interesting upbringing, so to speak. And I think. Because it was just her and I, I always had this little bit of a mindset that I needed to do the best that I can do to get through this life. Um, so when I was old enough to get a job at 14, that was the first thing I did is I went out and I got a job. Um, and my mindset was I need to get a job to be able to, to help support mum. She was working night shifts and she was um, – we were doing it a little bit tough. So I went out and I got a job in a, uh, in a restaurant, a seafood buffet of all places, um, washing, washing dishes. Uh, and I fell in love with hospitality. It was one of these things where I've just gone, I've found my niche. And I think for, for, I got very, very lucky to be able to find my niche really, really early on in life. And I looked back and I took a step back and I thought, this is exactly what I want to do and this is where I want to go. Um, so I literally... Did, did you know thing. you were wanting to be an entrepreneur by then or was this the first sort of, I don't know how to put it, any other way uh immaculate like immaculate conception it's not yeah. that but it's a like this thing that came into you that was store bestowed upon you it was really weird I, I i didn't know what i wanted to do but i knew that i really wanted to have something so and that's very important wording is to have something to have something big it was like businesses or restaurants or something there's always this yearning inside of me that i needed to achieve something um and oh man i'm right there with you i love this keep going i i'm right there like you're speaking like i i've never used those words but it's like you're singing like chorus to my heart yeah it's 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 a weird feeling and i don't think it's really understood unless you've got it and you're like oh my god i don't know what it is but i just need to i need i need to have this i need to have something and it was that was the energy and the drive that pushed it pushes me forward to today to always strive to do better but I've always been very, um, I've always been very conscious of the things that I've done, and I've always been very conscious of the direction that I've taken within my career. Um, and it's been a very strong. My career has been eighty um, percent of my life focus. Um, and I think so. When I was working in that restaurant, I always knew I wanted to 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 own something, to be something, to have something, and this was going to be a great start because now I found what I love. And I sat back. I'm like, if I if I if I do what I love. And I get really, really, really good at this. I never have to work again. And people are like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, if you do what you love, you never have to work. So you're coming into work and you're hanging out with your mates and you're doing things and um, you're you're making money from you're going home and you're you're living your best life where people wake up on Monday and go, oh, fuck this. (laughs) I don't want to go. I don't don't have that. I wake up every day. I'm like, hell yeah, bring it on. Let's do it. What's next? I know. I'm pumped up every day. Pumped up every day. And I think... that's so important to have that vision, that energy to, to, to push forward. So I'm sitting there, I'm washing dishes, um, and I, I remember thinking, what's next? What do I want to do? Where do I want to go? I'm like, all right, I know for a fact I don't want to be a dishy. 
I could make a career out of this, but ultimately I'm coming home at the end of the day and I don't really smell that good, especially in a seafood buffet. Um, so I'm like, what, what do I want to learn? I'm like, all right, let's, I want to learn coffee. So I went and I found a job, right, in uh, a coffee shop. And it was. It Love was, this. So wait, just, just, I want to pause for a second. So you wanted to learn something and mm. you didn't go to YouTube to learn it. You actually went out and learned it. I just want to make that point, right? I get learning is something on YouTube, but I also understand going and getting the experience. So I think that's important that we talk about. Go ahead. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's been a big basis of, of, of my, of my growth. Um, and I'm, I'm I'm like 15, maybe, yeah, 15 and a bit, maybe 16. Uh, and I went out and I, I learned coffees and I learned cafes, uh, from this one little Michelle's patisserie. And I was, I was young. I was a kid. I was very inexperienced. Um, and I'm like, this isn't hundred percent for me. Like, this is, this is interesting. I'm like, well, okay, what do I, what do I need to learn? I was sat back and I go, okay, well, it isn't exactly what I want to do, but I need to be in a restaurant. All right, cool. And I went, there's a restaurant across the road. It was called the colonial at the time. Um, and I went there and there was this uh, lovely lady called Nicole and I was 17 at the stage. This lovely lady called Nicole uh, and I, I put my resume in. She goes, all right, I'll give you a go. And Nicole was probably in her early 20s at this point. Um, and I, I work in this restaurant and I hustle. I learn as much as I can and I love every aspect. This is the front of house stuff. I love every aspect of being in the, in this restaurant. And I'm going and I'm learning stuff from the dude at the bar. I'm like, what's this? He goes, I can't remember what his name was. He was a tall, skinny, bald dude that used to walk around with a briefcase and that's where he kept all his cocktail utensils. It was an absolute legend. I wish I remembered his name. But I would ask him, like, what's that do? What's that do? <laughs> what do you mean cocktail <laughs> utensils? Like, I just, I'm having trouble visualizing <laughs> this. Like, are we talking like he's like the door-to-door knife salesman? Like he has that's a suitcase? That's what it was like. Yeah, okay. he had like his shaker and his stir and his strainer was in there. He had all these, all these little measuring, everything. It was really quite cool. He was like, it was, it was like a businessman, but then he opens up his stuff and he, and he came all the cocktail um, utensils. So he's really like the doc. Cool. He's like a surgeon of the alcoholic beverages. Yes. <laughs> yes. yeah. and that probably explained his personality quite well too. He is very, very, very good at his job. He was amazing at his job. Um, so I, I went and I learned everything from these guys. Um, I, I spoke to them. I stayed back um, after my shift was over and I would learn how they closed down the restaurant and I would learn how to um, can up the tools and I would talk. I'd come in early and learn how they set up. And, and before you know it, I'm getting more and more hours and I'm getting more and more experience. But I'm also really coming out of my shell personality-wise. Um, growing up, I, I, I was always a bigger kid. I was always teased a little bit through things like that. And I found that, all right, well, I need to be able to find out who I am to be the best that I can be. And I found that in this restaurant. Um, and I remember one day I went down, uh, went, went to the beach before my shift. And then I came back to work and I was sunburned. And I mean, so, so red. And I was quite embarrassed about the fact that I was this sunburned. So I'm like, how am I going to manage this? So I introduced myself as, hi, my name's Matt, and I'm going to be the sunburned waiter for you today. And that's how I started to create a bit of a, um, uh, a personality around the, the things that I do to make it fun for me. So I walked around and I learned everything I could about that restaurant. Unfortunately, it shut down. Um, we walked in one day and they go, yep, sorry, guys, the restaurant's going to be closed. So I sat back and went, right, what's next? <laughs> 
what do I want to learn? Where do I want to go? What do I want to be? I'm like, okay, well, I definitely know now that restaurants are my thing. Um, so I went home. I, I want to learn gaming machines. That's a massive thing here in Queensland. Um, poker machines, um, pokey machines, pokies, slot machines. So just hold, hold on one second. Like I'm, I'm missing the, the link here, but we do this as entrepreneurs. So I just want to mm. make sure we connect the link. And I got really loud in the mic there. I'm sorry, guys, because <laughs> I just got blown away by like, I was like, like I missed something here. Like the connection happened too fast. And like, I'm, I'm a very inquisitive person and curious as yeah. I, that's why I do the podcast. Obviously, like I'm full of questions. And anyone who knows me, particularly questions. in Nashville, probably is like, who's that dude who runs around asking, asking everyone's name, introducing himself and asking fucking tons <laughs> of questions. So that's me. That's who I am. I just do it. But how did you get from the restaurant to gaming machines? I don't, I guess I'm not connecting it. Do the gaming machines exist in the restaurants there? Is that how, was, uh, were they no. in the restaurant you were in? No, in, um, in the pubs. Okay. So, so were you playing them in the pubs? No, not at all. There's a lot of... Um, <laughs> I'm just a, a lot I'm of, so perplexed. Okay, go on. <laughs> it's, there's a lot, of, um, there's a, lot of, a lot of pubs in Queensland. A lot of pubs in Queensland. It's, uh, the gaming industry prop, props up quite a large part of the economy here. So when they brought in the licenses where you could have um, gaming machines outside of the casinos, um, you had every, every pub was putting in poker machines, and that was their main focus. Um, so it's kind of like ingrained a little bit like that. You know, when you're a kid, you go to a pub and you'd, you'd have a meal. There's always going to be pokies in a pub. So it was something that I also knew that I wanted to, wanted to learn because it was something that was part of hospitality for me. So I've gone, all right, well, this is something that I really think is cool. I want to learn it. I want to figure out what it is. Um, and that's what I did. So I went and I, I worked in the, worked in the casino, uh, and I was at the casino in Brisbane here for, for two years. And I started off in, uh, in restaurants in Blackjack's Pistanos, it was called. And I worked my way up through to, um, gaming machines and I was in the, the gaming machines there for a good 12 months as well. And I <laughs> did the same thing again. Like I'd see a gaming machine technician working on a machine. I'd be like, what's that? <laughs> how do you do that? What are you doing there? Um, how do these things work? To the point where I actually, actually got in trouble because the technicians taught me how to change the light bulbs in the machine. Um, but it was illegal to do that as a gaming attendant. But I, I, I did it anyway <laughs> because I knew how to do it. So I just learned things as I went along. Um, and at this point, I'm, I'm 18. I had a lot of little experiences that have gotten me to this point too, like uh, when I was uh, 17, um, a lady came up to me when I was working at the Colonial and she said, I want to um, have my wedding reception here. I went, cool, I can do that for you. And, <laughs> and at 17, I organized this lady's wedding reception um, at, this, at this restaurant uh, by myself <laughs> without the managers having any input or the owner having any input. Um, and I think, wow. I think back now. I know I did things like that too and I'm just like why how did I think I knew what I was doing but I pulled it off somehow and I convinced yeah. other people I could pull it off it was great the, the, the one driving factor for me 
is I had a guy tell me that I couldn't do it. He goes, you're too yeah. young, you're too inexperienced, that's, you can't do it. Every time so, someone's done that to me, that that's why I started this podcast, guys. Someone told mm. me there's no way I would could start a successful podcast and there's no way I could release three episodes a week. Back in the yeah. day, I did yeah. three episodes a week for a while and then COVID yeah. happened and life and we, things got messed up. But now I'm trying to do an episode a day as we just talked about beforehand. But I like this a lot because... It should be the biggest motivator when someone tells you you can't do something. I don't know why, but there's where the blue ocean strategy is. Like if you've ever read the mm-hmm. book, that's where the opportunity is to go. Whenever, when all the fish are swimming over there, you want to swim where they're not because eventually you, you're going to figure out that part of the water and all of those fish are going to have to swim back at some point. And when you're there prepared, yep. ready to go, guess who they're snacking off of and providing them the food? You. That's so, it. Exactly. exactly. So go ahead. Exactly. Yeah, and it's just it's 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 funny when somebody tells you that you can't do something because it hundred percent gives you that motivation to to go through and do it. Now, all of this time, right? I'm learning different things from different people. I've got um, a second job at a place uh, in the city. It was called the Hilton, uh, tiny little hotel chain. You might have heard of it, and I was working in the restaurants down the bottom. So I was learning from the people in in the, in the restaurants there, and then I was working in a um, uh, five star functions um, resort that was here as well. So I'm I'm doing all of these things at once to try and to try and learn everything that I possibly can. I'm meeting um, meeting mentors um, that are taking me under their wing and, and and teaching me all the little things that I ask them. And like this guy actually cares; he wants to do this. So I use that as energy to be able to push forward. At this point, um, when I was working at the casino, I had a really clear understanding that I wanted to own restaurants, and I wanted to be in hospitality. This is going to be my thing. So, well, in, well, in so can I back up for a second? So why the connection to the restaurants and hospitality? Was it still from your youth, or was yeah. it because you um, – it was the gaming thing and being around the gaming and seeing it and that like the bars and stuff like i'm just because it's just not something people normally do like we don't just like humans i know there's a lot of people in the food business but it's not something normally like they're just like okay let's do this you know it's just we don't do that and so help me understand what that is i guess for me it was a um a yearning to learn everything that i possibly could and it all links up further down the track when I'm about 21 and all of these, all of these things that I'd individually learned come into the, into the one job that really propelled me to go forward. Um, and it's, yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to learn. Like I, I remember walking around and going, how does restaurant design work? So I sat down and I got a pen and paper and I Googled like um, programs and things. And I designed my own restaurant in my, in my breaks in my splits. And I'll sit there and I'm working. Well, that doesn't work because if uh, the kitchen needs to go this way and the waiters are coming in this way, then they're gonna—I don't know—they're gonna bump into each other. You know what I mean? Like, and I was, I was sitting there just working this this kind of stuff out. Um, and it was all for me. It was learning. I needed to learn as much as I possibly could because I knew what I wanted to do and, and how to get there. Um, and I just wanted to learn. I wanted to meet people. I wanted to do as much as I as I could to get to where I needed to go. And in your mind, what's the benefit of working so hard? I mean, sorry, what's the benefit of learning so much? I mean, obviously you're working so hard, but learning, the part about learning, why are you trying to learn from all these people? I mean, 
I don't think I've learned this the hard way. Most individuals or humans don't have the desire to pursue pursue knowledge and intellect, meaning to ask yourself questions enough so that you're going to other individuals or books to get the right answers, even though it may change your own mind. So let's like, I, I know I'm deep. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, you get so deep on the podcast and you're like, bend my mind and I can't handle more than one episode a week. I get it. But it's it's important that I don't care if you have to go back and listen to the episode 30 years from now. The point is like, we're trying to anchor a point here and I'm, I want to anchor this with you. What is that driving desire to learn more? What are you hoping it gets you? I wanted to succeed. I didn't, I didn't want to fail. I really, really wanted to succeed. Um, I wanted people to be proud. I wanted people to, to look at me and go, wow, you achieved, you achieved what? And how old are you? And what have you done? Um, I, I liked that. So I don't know whether it was something from my past that made me really want to, yeah, really want to get to that stage where people could be proud of what I was doing and, and for me to be proud of what I was doing. Maybe it was to, to make my mum proud of what I was doing. I'm not quite sure. Um, she is proud, by the way. She loves what we do. She's my biggest advocate, and I love that so hard. <laughs> it's really good. Um, but my theory was the more you know, the more you can do. So when I was, when I was from the casino, I'd learned – at this point, I've learned um, five-star functions. I've learned casual dining. I've learned cafe stuff. Um, I've learned gaming machines and casinos. Um, the one thing that I hadn't really learned was the cocktail side of life. Okay, um, and I've never actually had this conversation on a podcast, so I think it's important. You're stacking up skills, and I've done this, yeah. okay? And no yeah. one else knows this, but and I've never talked about it on the podcast, and I've never even talked about it with any individuals, okay? So I'm going to say something I've never said before, but this is important. like Stacking up skills or diversifying that skill set is important. Like I didn't only produce food. Then I got into restaurant equipment. Then I got Mm -hmm. into designing restaurants. Then I got into building them, which led me into building and designing food trucks, which led me into investing and and owning restaurants. And then it got me into owning and investing in food trucks. And then it got me experience in all of those things. And then it got me experience in transportation, which got me experience in IT and stuff like that, which got me into POS systems, into restaurants, one of the first companies ever on iPads and uh, iPad iPod touches, which I don't think they have anymore, but maybe they do. And, um, so. and all of that stuff. And then a company that just handled all the hardware transactions and then one that handled the software and then one that handled the services and then it went global. Okay, so yeah. things like that, like I'm not kidding you guys like he's learning different skill sets but he also learned the machines which is the thing he also is learning the equipment in the restaurants like we're talking about skill sets that diversifies a human when i say renaissance man everyone always thinks i mean the experience the exposure the education uh, or the energy because i use energy and exercise interchangeably but exposure um, experience and education are the three foundations of, of a human just to be a leader or an entrepreneur, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And 
And there is, therein lies, what do we do with it? So you need to be willing to go learn what everyone else is. And one of the things that happened as I built food service partners, one, economically, we had to diversify. So I had to learn different skill sets and we need to get in other businesses to keep the money afloat when the hospital meals or the long-term care meals started to fluctuate, which is why we diversified into co-packing and meals direct to consumers and grocery stores, blah, 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 sandwiches into gas stations, so on and so forth. And one of the things that it taught me is that that I had to also diversify myself in my own business. So I actually physically put myself in positions where I would go build a business development team. I'd go learn the sales and lead a sales team in Colequip, which was the restaurant equipment company and uh, restaurant design company and whatever, all the supplies that go along with it. And we did distribution of fried chicken products for Broster also. And so it's just like, I learned fried chicken also. I learned the convenience store business also. I learned the food truck business also. And right now on this podcast, it's why I can talk to anyone in the food business, regardless of what they do, because I've already done all of it. Really, the IT, the food trucks, the restaurants, the building them, the supplies, the trying to get stuff from overseas, global scale food sourcing for diversity of diets, healthy diets, non-healthy diets, for healthcare, puree, not puree. And so that stacked up led me to where I am. So I just want to highlight that from my own point and anchor it. I'm sorry to take you off the mic, Matthew, but I want to hand the mic back to you because I anchored the point because 24 years later, 25 years later, where I am right now, is because of that, not intentionally, but because I learned the skills because I didn't know where I was going to end up. But I did know that with intent, I had to seek uncomfort in learning new skills and becoming a quote unquote renaissance man in my life forever. And I knew the direction that I needed to go that I, I need to focus, but it wasn't about focusing just on accounting, for example. It was about focusing on the journey I wanted to go on and how much value I wanted to gain for myself along that way. So there was a hunger for knowledge. I don't know why. And I always wanted to be the dumbest person in the room because I thought that's the way I would learn. I just knew it. But I also knew that that meant changing out the people around you. And I also knew that that meant seeking uncomfort. And I also knew that... 25 years later, just in the food space, but I've been an entrepreneur guy since I've been three, four years old that, that I've been able to put it into play. And I said to everyone, I was born that way. I knew the minute I was born since I could remember that I was an entrepreneur, that I wanted to pollinate the world positively long after I'm gone and have people be able to have their dreams live within my dream. Okay. Period. You know, positively. And so that is the focus. Yes, I'm hyper-focused, whether it was playing soccer or it was in school or whatever, and it meant that I picked and choose what I had to focus on. I didn't have time for everything. So if I got a 2.2 GPA in my undergraduate, that's what I had to do. I was focused on the things I need to learn, and I was also already in business for how many years by that point, and food service partners started, and my parents, and therefore, to a point that I want to make that Matthew made, kind of is I didn't always believe like I had teachers that were teaching that never ran businesses you know so it's hard to go into class and do things and believe those individuals when they don't have the experience exposure or education themselves on it 
because all of that takes place in the business world. And I'm sorry I'm not cutting down education. I just think it's hard when we don't immerse ourselves in it because no one knows what really it is to be an entrepreneur that's teaching the class other than me who fucking had to clean toilets at one point or clean grease off the floor or had flooding God knows what and where or trucks to drive during a snowstorm just because we never missed a delivery in 24 years to a single hospital or hurricane. So I want you to anchor this point. I'm sorry to keep going, but I'm just really trying to drive this point home with everyone. Sorry, it's yours. It's, it's, it's very true. No, not at all. That's 100%, 100% right. Stacking those skills is, is what has really pushed me forward and put me ahead of the rest. Um, because if somebody puts their hand up and goes, I need somebody to do this, I'm able to go, sure, I've got those skills. I need somebody to jump on a coffee machine or I need somebody to jump in the gaming room or the bar or, or the restaurant. I'm like, yep, 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 I can do all these things. And for me, that was important to know as much as I possibly could know. And I think something to add on to here as well is throughout stacking these skills, I was always talking to different people of all different walks of life. So I was making it a point to talk to people that I'd never really spoken to before. Um, uh, going down in the park on my splits and talking to homeless people to get a different perspective to see what or how they see the world. Um, and, and little things like that was, was important for me, talking to people in the high rollers room and uh, in the gaming room like, and talking to people that are absolutely wealthy in every aspect. And just asking, hi, how are you? What do you do? How did you get to where you are? And all of the, and that's really, really important for me because what it means is that I put everybody on this equal playing field where I can learn from them. Um, and for that, in my opinion, is what created, um, I guess, a little bit more of a rounded learning experience um, so I can then go have the skills. But I'm not going to look down on anybody for what they do or how they work. So... Um, yeah, so that's that was an important thing for me to do. Just ten minutes. Um, yeah, so that was an important thing for for me to do. But I guess what my next step is from the casino is I wanted to learn cocktails more. So I went and I worked in the um, in the in the bar in the cocktail bar there, and I was living out at Karana Downs, which is a place, this little pocket of the world, um, out west of Brisbane, um, that doesn't really have too much at all, and. I used to go to the golf course down there quite often and the, um, the new owner said to me, he goes, like, I need somebody to jump behind the bar and do cocktails. I'm like, oh, that's me. I can do that. And it was like Friday night when I jumped in and I, I, I did the cocktails and he offered me a job. And he offered me a manager's job. And I've gone, oh, this is what I want to do. This is what I've been, what I've been what, like searching for. This is going to be absolutely fantastic. Um, so <laughs> I quit my job at the casino. And I, I, I jumped into this into this management job, um, and I'm probably you know, 19 or 20 tops, um, and I failed epically. Oof. That was a that was a that was a big fail. Uh, I yeah, I've been there. Have, I've been there. Oh man, go on. Yeah, man, it was great. That's the only way that I can explain it. Like I, I went in there and I managed this bar, and I had the expectation that this bar that you run is going to be financially successful in every single way. And I've just gone, sure, I can do that. And then my ego didn't balance out my skills <laughs> from a managerial perspective. Absolutely. Um, and Absolutely. I went in, That's a good way of putting I, it, actually. I don't know how else to put it when that happens. But we all, we all have to get over that trip, I feel like, at the beginning. You've got to. Yeah, I really, really do. And I remember 
I didn't do the um I didn't do the the keg order for Christmas, and we didn't have any beer for two weeks because I forgot to do the order, and, and they don't deliver on Christmas and all that kind of stuff out there, and it was. It was yeah, so oh. I got fired from that job. Oh man! <laughs> so, and it was yeah, it was terrible. So you know what I did is I, I when I got fired from that job, it was just up the road from my house. I'd been saving a bit of money, and I went screw this. I'm going to Manizer. I've got a friend in Manizer, so I went to Manizer, and Manizer is a country town. Like it is, it is a country country town. It's a mining town, um, and. <laughs> I went there and I just chilled out with a couple of mates for a little bit. I did a little bit of um, pro bono work in the in the in the bowls club that was there and and stuff like that. And then I got offered a job in Manizer, right? Just working up there, learning all the things that they do. But then my mum was friends with um, one of the pub managers that was out of Dipswich, and she's called me up and she's gone. They need a staff member. This is what they're doing. They're growing. He's just bought his second pub, blah, blah, blah. Um, do you want to come and, and, and meet him? And I had a conversation with him and I got offered a job there. So I had a choice. I can either go to Menizer and I can follow this path and I can see where this goes or I can go and work for this guy um, and, and jump behind, funny enough, the gaming room, right? So I've gone, cool. I'm going to go with the guy's name was Ross. So I'm going to go with Ross. And I came back home. And I, I'm still living at home at this stage, and I was, I was 20, mid-20s. And I went and worked at the Amanto Tavern uh, as a gaming attendant. And I, all of a sudden, he's gone, I like what you do. You're good with the customers. He goes, all right, I want you to create the gaming promos. I'm like, okay, cool. So I created the gaming promos. And I created these gaming promos that were the coolest, most funnest things that you could do in a gaming room. They were brilliant. And then... I started to get a little bit of a rapport with the customers. I started to get a little bit of a rapport with, with Ross. He had been in the industry his whole life. He was in his late 40s at that stage. Um, and he really took me under his wing and he taught me everything. He would get up at 4 o'clock in the morning because I said that I wanted to learn beer lines and beer and cleaning and all that kind of stuff with the, with the taps, the kegs. He would go, cool, get up at 4, meet me there at 5 o'clock. All right, we're going to go through. I'm going to teach you how to do all the beer lines. Like, well, cool. This is brilliant. Do it. He then offered me a, uh, a duty manager's position, a supervisor's position in the pub. Um, and I've gone, this is amazing. He goes, but he goes, I'm going to put you under my wing. I'm going to teach you everything that I know. Right. And we're going to take this slow. I'm like, good idea. Cause the last one didn't work out too well. Um, so <laughs> he did exactly that. And he took me under his wing and he taught me absolutely everything on how to run a pub. And we did renovations um, of that of that pub, and we actually became um, one of the most successful pubs in uh, in Ipswich at the time. Um, and at twenty one, I was promoted to the hotel manager, and I was running a multi million dollar venue um, that was one of the most successful ones in Ipswich at twenty one. We'd won, um, there's QHA Awards, which is the Hotel Association Awards, Best Responsible Service of Gambling um, because of initiatives that we'd put in to help the community and things like that. Um, we had won the Best Renovated Pub Under $2 million uh, and we were, yeah, we were having an amazing time. So explain all of the, things that I the had, explain the uh, thing uh, if you could name three things real quick. What would you say the three things that I I want you 
we don't do this because we want to give credit to everyone else. I understand that, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that. But what were the three mm. things and skills and qualities that you had suddenly that you didn't have before that made this successful this time? Like what came out of you that wasn't there before? Oh, that is a great question. Um, I think I'd found, I found my purpose. I'd found that direction. I found exactly where I needed to be. Like all of this time I was searching for where I wanted to go and where I wanted to be. And it all kind of, everything that I had been, like you said, stacking had fallen into place and it felt right. Um, I had a, a mentor, an actual mentor to push me through, which is something that I'd never really had before. Um, other than that, I think it was honestly just everything at all. All my ducks had come into a row at that point with with um, with him, and it was it was amazing. My learning journey uh, had just then begun from a management, so it's kind of like I had gone, "All right, well, here's all your skills that you need to have to be able to do these jobs, all right?" And then it leveled back up into, "Okay, well, now all of those skills you're going to use, but you're going to learn a bunch of new skills." from a management perspective. And don't get me wrong, man, I made so many mistakes. I made mistakes all day long, <laughs> left, right, and center. But then I learned from those mistakes and I built on, on, on that. On the sidelines, I'm still getting that yearning that I want to have my own thing. I still want to do my own thing. So I'm trying to find little things here and there to try and satisfy that urge. Like uh, <laughs> I tried to sell Herbalife on my days off there for a little while. Um, and doing stuff like that just to try and try and fill that urge, try and fill that void of of being um, that that entrepreneurial kind of urge that you need to get fixed, get a fix for. Um, yeah, I I know exactly what you're talking about. There's a lot. There's ways that you just need that independence to and that taste of what it is to be on your own and make a difference on your own a little bit, even though you're sort yeah. of leveraging someone else's business. That's exactly right. But the cool thing about, about working with Ross and working under him is that he would leave me alone. So I'd be, be 23, 24 years of age and I wouldn't, I wouldn't see him or the owner for, for weeks on end. Like the profitability of that venue was, was my responsibility. So I, I did have that need fulfilled through the trust that he gave me and the, the teachings that he gave me. Um, and that's something that I've really pushed into my staff now as well is that I'm going to teach you the skills. Here you are, go and use them. And I'm going to leave you alone and let you flourish where you need to flourish. Because if he had gone and micromanaged and done all those things, I wouldn't have flourished in the way that I had because I got that need fulfilled by going, this is your business. You can, I, I, <laughs> he allowed me to redevelop the whole restaurant and do absolutely everything that I wanted to do. Um, not many owners these days would do that. So, because they need that control. Um, so, I ended up resigning from that job because I wanted to learn multi-site management. And I'm like, what's my next step? I'm like, if I'm going to be a business owner, I need to, uh, I want to, franchising is huge here. Um, very, very regulated. So, I want to get into franchising. Um, what do I need to get, to get into franchising? Like, I need to learn multi-site management. Like, cool. All right. Well, so why franchising? Just uh, give me a second here. So why, what made that? Was it just you're searching for an opportunity or? Yeah. 
Okay. Cause I'm just yeah. like, it's a big, also, yeah. it's a big leap there because, but I get the connection me personally, because I like, I'm like the magic of thinking big. Like I read that book, so I get what you're doing, but mm -hmm. I just, yep. I want to ground it and make sure I understand it from a, like take something that's the problem is the hokey pokey stuff. Like people don't realize it exists if it's one foot on the ground, one head in the cloud. Okay. And yeah. that's like, yep. And it's like, um, and, and it's important. So you're just like, okay, this makes sense. If I go this path, I can not only build a food business, but I can grow multiples and I need to scale it. Is that sort of where your mindset is? That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had dreams of, of owning, uh, at this point of owning five venues of some sort. Again, I didn't really know what they were. I was like, I want to own five. Uh, so I've always had that number five in my head, always. Um, so and that's that's I went and uh, I managed. It was at the time called Big Dad's Pies, um, and I ran ten of his company stores. He had just gone and sold out uh, to a, um, it's a it's a thing out here called Retail Food Group um, RFG. I don't know where it is, but they're in America, and they own um, hundreds of franchises. Um, so he just sold out to those, those guys, the franchise stores and ten, ran 10 of his company stores, uh, and they, and they were mine. So I learned how to manage, um, yeah, 10 of, 10 of those company stores. Um, unfortunately he went bust. So not because of the way that I was running his company stores, but he also ran the, um, the factory as well as supplied all the products. And there was a lot of other backend things that were, uh, a little bit dodgy, um, that I didn't realize at the time. So to that um i took a little bit of time off and my next i definitely i definitely want to learn franchising where do i want to go what do i need to do um and i went where would i go i went oh club training australia that was my next step so i got into um teaching and that was that turned out to be one of the most exciting and successful things that I have done in my career from a person to person perspective. So I had all this experience. I had management experience. Um, I, I was able to run multi-site venues. I had all of the, uh, all the certificates and everything that needed to go with it. So I went and worked for a company called club training Australia and we taught people how to do their, um, responsible service of alcohol, responsible service of gambling certificates, um, diplomas, I taught people diplomas and cert threes. And you know what? That is exactly what I needed. Would you say that core values played a major part in this? Just because you talk about like gaming, we call core values or maybe it's morals and ethics. I don't know how, I don't mm. know what you want to describe it, but you're having to set those type of standards because a lot of cash moves in gaming. So I just want to understand, is there being like, as you're going through this journey and this gambling thing or morals and ethics and core values being instilled in you also because you're learning about what people actually do with money because I think yeah. you get a different understanding of money when you know what people will do to take it I think or what, what they're willing done to do when they've lost it yes okay good what that's what I exactly okay yeah. so okay go on there was a lot there was a lot of that that I'd seen as well like um uh mum had we had a family friend growing up that had committed suicide from gambling related issues. Um, I had given people payouts at their gaming machines and they said, Oh, thank God I can eat this week. 
So seeing, seeing things like that when you're really young, young does put a lot of stuff into perspective um, on, on gaming. And one of the things that I was very, very passionate about was the um, how to run a gaming room responsibly and how to manage a gaming room responsibly. Um, and that's why in Queensland we have a lot of regulation um, so custom liaison officers, so it's a specific person um, that is employed by the gaming room to make sure that people are, uh, I guess, managing themselves correctly when they gamble. So if anybody's got a problem and they need to be banned from the gaming room because they're having financial trouble, the custom liaison officer is the person that would manage that situation. Um, so I taught a lot of that. Um, which was which was a lot of fun um, because you got to work with people, learn about their experience, learn about what they had done, um, and learn different ways of doing things. So I'm still I'm still um, kind of stacking that skill set at this point too. Um, I was there for there, there for a good couple of years because it this industry can create a fair bit of burnout, which is something that uh, a lot of people I feel need to talk about more um, and. When you experience that burnout, the best way to step back uh, is to stop doing the very long nights and the long weekends and, and all of those things. And this was a Monday to Friday, um, essentially a nine-to-five job. Um, but then I got a little bit bored. I'm like, what am I going to do next? I still have these goals that I want to achieve. I know where I want to go. This is just a little bit of a little bit of a step back. Um, so I moved down to, to Melbourne with the intent, again, of learning franchising specifically um, in the restaurant space. So I, I packed up my stuff and I moved down to Melbourne. I didn't have a job. I moved in with, um, with a funny enough, a girl that I used to date up in Queensland. Um, and I got a job in a, uh, a company called Zimbrero. Uh, and that is like, you guys have Chipotle over there. Hey, um, it's like a Chipotle, the same type of thing as that. That's awesome. So, that's a good analogy. Yeah, and, I love, and I know what you're talking about, actually. So it's yes, it's spot on. If you can imagine it, yeah. It was kind of. I, I went down there with that exact mindset of this is what I need to learn. There's always, again, there's always this little tweak. It's like I need to, I need to have this. I need to learn this. I need to, like you said, stack these skills. So I went down there with an exact intent, and I applied for every single job that I possibly could that had anything to do with franchising. Um, and yeah, I got in with the um, with the Zimbrero crew. And what I learned from those, they came on board, I think they had two stores at the time. Um, I was with them for a couple of years and we had built it out to, I think it, when I left, there was about seven. Um, my one store was uh, a, a store in Brunswick. And from all the skills so I'd gone and I taught and helped with the openings of all the rest, and then I had my store in Brunswick. And I was the only store to start making a profit within six months of opening. And it was through all of these things that I'd learned over the time. And they did the same thing um, that I'd learned with, with Ross at the Emanto Tavern that said, here, here it is on a much smaller scale. This is yours. Hire who you want. Do what you want. Set it up how you want. It's yours. And then I got that store into a profit. I'm like, wow, I can do this. This is really good. I can manage this. I can, I can achieve my goals. Now I need to do my own. Um, so after I was in Melbourne for four years and I, I worked in a couple of other little, uh, restaurants at the time to learn again, a couple of little skills, came back to Queensland and I've gone, all right, now this is it. This is what I want to do. I'm here. I'm ready. I've, I've gone down. I've, I've learned everything that I need to learn what I want to learn. I'm like, I'm going to open up a cafe. I'm like, sweet. 
where do you get the money for that? <laughs> so, I spent all my money in Melbourne, didn't I? Because it was a hell of a lot of fun. Um, so I've gone, like, where do I get the money? Well, yeah. I don't get any money. Yeah. This is how I, this is this is a tough gig. This is rough. Um, all right, what am I going to do? Uh, at the time, I'd just gotten a job as a as a uh, an operational consultant for a cafe franchise up here called Stella Rossa. Um, amazing franchise, amazing cafe franchise run by amazing people. Um, and I, I learn a lot from those guys as well. But here I am in the background. I'm, I'm drawing out recipes and I'm writing out designs and I'm, I'm at home on my weekends and I'm creating different dishes and, and going, this is where I want to be. This is where I want to go. Um, so I'm, I'm doing all that. I'm trying to go, how can I get money for this? That, that was always, that was always the, the, the stopper for me was financials. Shit, I don't have any property that I can leverage against. I don't have anything. Um, uh, obviously, mum doesn't have any money because of the, the, the way that we had gone through gone through life and, and everything there. So I go, right, I'm going to save. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm like, hold on. What about a food truck? Food truck's a damn good idea. I looked around. I'm like, there's, there's no decent burger joints in Brisbane anymore. Um, and I went to, went to one's called Z Pickle. I'm like, yeah, they're not too bad. It's not like the stuff that we got in Melbourne though. I love, um, I love that the entrepreneurial attitude solves all problems. I just want to say yeah, this. It does. You will fake if there's a, it will, if you're an entrepreneurial attitude and you have, and you want it and you want to do something, your mind will figure out a way around the money. It just does. And it's yeah. not a stopper. People stop there, but often having no money is your biggest advantage biggest advantage i can tell you every time when we actually embraced it and we didn't try to get other people to save us or we didn't try to quote unquote have a savior or people investment or whatever or get the bank to come in when we actually just embraced it and we need to pivot and change it was the best thing that ever happened to us even at the beginning sorry go ahead that's that's exactly right and it's 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 a number one driver isn't it you'll work something out um so i worked for stella rossa amazing people I ended up going back to Club Training Australia, doing the teaching side of things, um, because it was, to be honest, it was more money, right? And it was giving me the opportunity. I was like, okay, I'm going to go back to Club Training Australia. I'm going to keep saving my money. Um, and I'm learning all these skills still again with Club Training Australia. I'd gone and um, I'd taught kids hospitality in indigenous communities up in far north Queensland. Um, I had gone through and I'd taught... Uh, kids out at Bundaberg um, that were part of the youth justice program. So this is like their final step. I was either here or jail. And and so I'm going up and I'm doing all these really cool things and I'm learning all these different uh, aspects of life. And, and this is a little bit more of maybe a, a parallel learning experience from an individual point of view and what shapes me is the human that I am today. Um, and I think I worked with Club Training Australia <laughs> And there was a, uh, a cafe down in Brisbane that I used to teach a diploma in. Her name was Leilani. Um, and it was called Entice Me Cafe. And Entice Me Cafe was this tiny little cafe in Newstead, which is just out of the side of the city. And they had this massive production kitchen out the back. Uh, I'm sitting there one day. And I'm like, I wonder what she does with her production kitchen on the weekends. So I called her up. I'm like, what do you do? She's like, nothing. I'm like, can I hire it out? She's like, what for? I'm like, I want to make burgers. She goes, what do you mean? I'm like, I want to make burgers. I went, I've got this really great idea for a burger concept. 
and I want to do it online only. Well, so, and it's also a win-win for her, right? Like, she's not using that square footage. And, like, when you own square footage in the food business, when it's not producing food, it's losing money. I don't even know how to explain this to anyone. But it's so important that you maximize the square footage and the time you own it. Because if it's not, you're not figuring out a way how to utilize it 24-7, you're just... I don't even care if you're a franchise and you think breakfast or 24 seven is not important. You should probably figure out a way to make it important, particularly in a delivery error. But anyway, go ahead. Exactly right. hundred percent, man. I like when, uh, when I said to her that I wanted to do delivery only and and that wasn't a thing in Queensland. So I'm like, I want to do delivery. So I created this whole concept. So hashtag burgers and waffles. Um, one of the main things that I wanted to do in, in the cafe designs that I had created was waffles. Always love waffles. When I was working in Melbourne, we came up with this idea that if you get a buttermilk waffle and then you cut it into strips, deep fry it, and then toss it in cinnamon sugar like a churro, right? it is absolutely the most amazing snack you could ever have. <laughs> so hashtag burgers and waffles. And this is where my head started creating things that weren't around. I'm like, nobody is doing this. We need to do this with the waffles. I'm like, and there's, there's a gap in the market for burgers. So I'm going to do burgers and waffles. And I was living with my best mate at the time and her and her daughter and, and, and I were all sitting on the bed. And, and I think Paige, she was oh, eight or nine at the time. Um, I'm like, come up with all these different ideas and we're just troubleshooting stuff. And, and Paige is like, well, what about hashtag burgers and waffles? I'm like, all right, I, I like that. Let's float that. And so for the next couple of weeks, we just started talking about hashtag burgers and waffles. And then it became a thing. We're like, that's it. That's the name that we're going to use. So we ran, ran with that name. And that's where it all came from was, yeah, Paige, nine-year-old, coming up with this, with this amazing idea of hashtag burgers and waffles. And that's created the logo, the design. We locked down the menu. Um, I called up all of the, um, all of the delivery platforms. Uh, and the one thing that tripped me up was Uber. Right, so I called up Uber and I said, I want to uh, open up my restaurant. And they're like, great, what's your brick and mortar restaurant um, address? I went, what do you mean? They said, you need to have a brick and mortar restaurant address. I'm like, yeah, it's this. <laughs> so what I, I told them the, the address down at Newstead. What I had essentially done is created um, one of the first virtual dark kitchens in, in Brisbane without even knowing it. So Uber would not let you create a restaurant without a brick and mortar premise at that time. So I lied. I said, yeah, man, I got a brick and mortar premise. They went, so you've actually got front door seats. They was like, yeah, of course I do. <laughs> right? So I created all of this um, and created this restaurant off the backing of all of those things. Um, and we opened just on weekends. Now, I was seeing uh, my long-term partner, Kate, right? Kate was in childcare. She was working Monday to Friday. I was doing my training job at Club Training Australia. Um, and I was traveling at the time as well. So I would get up at 4 a.m. on a Monday morning and I'd catch a flight, head out to Bundaberg or Townsville or wherever it was going to be for that week. I would fly back on Thursday night, at probably around 6 or 7, and I'd go straight to the dark kitchen um, at a Newstead. And I would prep. We'd prep till 11 o'clock at night. I would go um, to the Club Training Australia job on Friday and then I'd do that job until five. I would quickly jump over to the Newstead store and I would um, open for service and we started our, started our restaurant on the weekends and we would do Friday night service, all day Saturday, all day Saturday night, all day Sunday, all day Sunday night. We would pack down, 
would get out of there at about 11 o'clock at night. And then I'd be up again at four o'clock on Monday morning on a flight to go somewhere and train. And we did that for, for six or seven months. Um, and we hustled it hard and we worked out how to manage an online platform, how to manage the photos, the customers, the reviews, the drivers, absolutely everything from a virtual kitchen point of view. We learned how to make it work while doing our other job Monday to Friday, nine to five. Um, we went to Melbourne. So that was, that was in March of 2019. We went to Melbourne in December of 2019 for a four week holiday. We just went, we need to shut it down. We need to have a break and figure out what our next step is going to be. We went to Melbourne and we sat down, we're having beers. We're like, we're going to do this. Let's do this properly. And we ended up getting a brick and mortar premise that was an old subway, probably about half a K away from where we are now. Um, where, where we were, sorry, in the, in the, in the new set space. Um, so Kate found that space. She quit her job. Um, in, in childcare, we're, like, All right, we're going to feed in. We're going to, we're going to get this done. Now you got to remember that this was funded with, with no money. I still had no money. So the, uh, catering was the, uh, the dark kitchen that was run out of the catering, um, was just all paid out of, uh, well, one goodwill. Uh, but then the rent that was paid out of, out of that was, was our profits. Like we, we were making, making nothing. We were just learning on, on how to do it. Um, I ended up selling my car and that got the capital, very little capital, I think it's like eight grand, um, very little capital to jump into this brick and mortar space that was in New Farm just up the road from where we are now. Um, and we, again, Kate quit a job. I had my CTA training stuff and we hustled. So I was there at night. So I was there on the weekends. She was there from Tuesday through to Sunday because we're shut on Mondays and just hustled, hustled, hustled. Um, I, it's, it's, it's funny even look at it now because 2020 hit and COVID hit and I've just gone, shit, I've gone, I, I don't have any of my work anymore. Kate doesn't have any of work anymore. What are we going to do? And I think one of the things that was important is that ability to be able to pivot, like we said, and we sat down. I remember, I remember that day that we sat down and we've just gone, all right, we need to get rid of all the staff. And that was really shit. Within three months, we had had like two or three staff. Um, we need to get rid of these guys. And that was huge for us. Absolutely massive. So we put all that on hold and Kate and I both jumped in, didn't have the CTA job anymore. Um, and we ran a virtual restaurant again out of, the space that we had had and the lucky thing for us, I don't know whether you call it luck or what it is, but the cool thing for us is because we had already built a really strong online presence out of the virtual kitchen, that automatically transferred over into the space where we were now and all of the other restaurants around us that had shut down because of COVID didn't have a virtual presence. So everybody came to us and we just skyrocketed. And our sales just went up and up and up and up and we got the staff back <laughs> and we got everybody back and we created this, this, this restaurant that was absolutely just buzzing from online sales. Um, and then people started to, to come back into the, into the world. Um, we opened back up again. We had the opportunity to renovate. Um, so we made the cool, we, we made the inside of the store look really cool. We built the brand to what it is today, which is that really cool street vibe. Um, small store, 
amazing burgers, a little bit of a hole in the wall style thing. Um, and yeah, we just built and built and grew our online presence. We built our Instagram and we got the photos that we wanted to get and we learned as we, as we went along. Um, and then, and, uh, and so uh, real quick, what um, mm. at that point, like, just so I'm clear, like, what like what's on the menu like how are you attracting people like you had an online presence but you're also having to hit timelines right because you want the deliveries in a certain amount of time so what are the burgers yeah. that are on the menu because i want to just anchor back the food because it is entrepreneur but i think you've had how much experience now in the food business like what are you putting on your menu anything that is good for a hangover <laughs> <laughs> so we came up came up with ideas like uh so we've got burgers and we've got waffles why not use waffles as buns let's give it a go let's try that so we made a we made a um a burger and we used the waffles as the buns um and we deep fried them so they're really crispy on the outside and they're nice and soft and fluffy on the inside and we're making everything fresh and that was one of our core values is we want to be able to pay homage to the food itself and have amazing no matter what on the basis of anything that we do the food has to be fucking amazing and that was the full stop for us. So we've always had that ingrained and we ingrained that in our staff. If it's no good, throw it away. If you wouldn't eat it, throw it away. Like make sure you take pride in what we do. So everything that we had, that food perspective was always going to be fresh. It was always going to be um, tasty as all hell, but it's always going to be, um, we call it baller. It's baller food. Like you get yourself a um, cheesy toast. Right? Use those as buns. You stick six patties on it and you put a waffle bun in the middle and a bit of fried chicken. Like, all right, cool. Let's Instagram that. That looks mad. <laughs> um, the one that we have food champion guys come in and they, they do uh, the challenge, right? And the one thing that I always get is that was the tastiest challenge I've ever done. Usually it's really quite bland. So I guess people think of the challenge as just being an amount of food that you can do in a really short amount of time or it's really hot or something. Um, but that was a that was damn tasty food. Um, so that's something that we became and still are very, 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 very proud of is that. Um, and we, we built our brand on that, on that tasty food. The other thing that we did was make sure that we got it damn right. So when it comes to the delivery aspect, um, we cook burgers. We'd sit it there for two minutes, five minutes, uh, 20 minutes, half an hour, an hour, hour and a half, and we'd eat it at every interval to see how long our food is going to last. Like, all right, well, if we poke a hole in this packet of chips, right? It's going to go soggy or it's going to go cold or it's going to go dry after this amount of time. So how do we make that better? And every aspect of our, of our business was at the start is all about improving, right? How do we make it sure that it's really going to be fresh as all hell when it gets to the customer? Why did you want to do that? Just out of curiosity, because most people don't think that way. Just being honest, I do a lot of consulting or just a lot of talking to people, especially in the restaurant business or that are restaurateurs or sole proprietors, not necessarily full entrepreneurs. Um, Explain. There's there's pride in our food. Because my food is a reflection of me. Like our food in the restaurant is a reflection of the brand. Like it's, it all, it all comes down to that. I guess, People wanting to, to have our food that's a reflection of us, a reflection of me that I need to be proud of. So when you get delivery food, majority of the time it's cold and stale and, and not that nice. Um, we did absolutely everything we possibly could to make sure that that was right. So that was, yeah, it's just important to us because the other thing is it's not always about the money. 
It's about the experience. It's about the people. So if you put the experience and the people first, the money's going to come. Right? That's, that's something that we were very, very um, focused on at the start there as well. And it, it, it's something that we still do today. Like we'll give away food. Um, if somebody's hungry, I'm going to give you a food and a bottle of water. Well, and um, here's the thing, guys. Um, I'm going to go back to what you just said. The 1% of the population that's truly wealthy, I'm not talking about numbers in a bank account. I'm talking about wealth, like true human wealth and balance Okay, in their life. There's something that they understand, and it's what you just said. It's about the experience in the people or the humans in the experience and how they come around food and what it means and how many times we come around it and how much we do around it in our holidays. We're recording this on Christmas, so everyone's obviously around each other and family in the experience, good or bad for Christmas. I hope everyone focuses on being good because as someone just really pointed out to me recently, um, this pretty amazing human that keeps giving me all this clarity is she's just like, how many more Christmases are you going to get to spend with family? And how many more are people going to get spent? And again, if I wasn't so dedicated, like that would be the thing. And I'm going to try to spend time with family other time, but I get the point. Like most people are on a normal schedule. They only get their holidays. So what you're doing is you're, you're capitalizing on that. I have one question. What mm. do the waffles being uh, crisp keep, them from getting soggy like if the burger's yeah. juicy is it their hardness keep that from ruining the rest of the waffles i've never put waffles on a burger we do donuts here and stuff like that but i so i yep. i don't know yeah well, yeah 100 yeah they uh they've got that crispy out of this um so it doesn't the sauce doesn't soak on through um so yeah it does does make it easier to deliver um and I guess the same reason why you toast your buns. You toast your buns so the sauce doesn't soak through, so it doesn't make a soggy burger. Um, so how much do you toast those buns so the sauce doesn't go through? Uh, they're, the, they're the things that we had to work out and had to do um, to, to make sure that it got to the customer properly. And something that I've noticed from people as well is they, they look at a complaint and they take it personally and they get offended. Um, one of the things I learned very early on is a complaint is an opportunity to change and to fix something. Um, so we would look at our complaints religiously to figure out what it is that we need to fix. And biggest one was our double down burger. So we found that our double down burger, by the time it got to the customer was soggy on the bottom, right on the heel. So we had to redesign the burger. So by the time it got to the customer, it wasn't soggy. So we have, um, when we cut it, we cut it with a thicker heel, right? So, cause it's got the extra patties on it and things like that. We would toast it a little bit longer. So the sauce wouldn't soak all the way through by the time it got to them as well and and things like that and i guess this is where you take that ego out of it and you go okay well if i just listen to what people are saying i'm going to be able to improve uh my business and my product and we did that and then we have an amazing burger that's called a double down burger so things like that are very important from an entrepreneurial expect, uh, mindset as well is always listen to people and don't be afraid to change change is um changes life life is always going to change you just got to be able to adapt with it and pivot with it um just like we did now and now we're we're um working on we're not working on but we are franchising so well and if i could tell you guys the audience and you and just to anchor this point or cement it because i'm big into that Mm. is that you like what happened in your life and what has happened in my life 
is that I seeked opportunities and knowledge and what, you know, the education, the experience, exposure in the world. And I'm a big into exercise and energy. Okay. And we'll get into, you know, all the other E's at some point, probably on this podcast, but definitely if you guys listen to Centurion Leadership Battalion podcast, as we relaunch it in 2023, it'll be on there, but it's about, um, the opportunities we seek, we don't always know why. Like there's just a way of, I'm going to put it to you guys this way and everyone's going to think I'm nuts, but let's just, whatever. There's like an infinite amount of knowledge that exists in the world, okay? And it's constantly growing. And there's no way even with the internet that we could possibly absorb it all. But somehow subconsciously, when we chase opportunities and growth, our conscious aligns with that subconscious inside of ourselves with aligns with this like subconscious in the world I don't know else how to describe it to you but it's this weird thing that like if you align your will with God's will as I call it and those opportunities and you chase them what's down the road you know something's better down the road you don't know why you're at this opportunity but you have to chase it you have to grow from it you have to gain skill from it and it's probably going to hurt a whole fuck ton and so there's that but it's knowing that there's something better there and covid was that for a lot of people a lot of people dove into things that covid became their saving grace like life prepared them for it okay and so like like i don't know how to explain it to you but this is what happens life prepares you for the person you're supposed to be and i there's someone who once said this to me in the end, you know, if you meet God or don't meet God, one of the things that happens is you meet the version of yourself you were supposed to be before you meet God. And if you didn't chase that version of yourself, you have to come toe to toe to it before you answer to him or whatever the saying or whatever, meet him or whatever, spend a lifetime of your next life of whatever your new job is in heaven or the next life. And so for an eternity, which I don't even know what I would do with eternity, but growing humans or souls sounds pretty awesome. So there's that. And, um, but the thing is, I really like this. I like the anchoring of the faith. And as an entrepreneur, it's our ability to believe what's not there yet. And I will tell you in, I've been around entrepreneurs that have claimed to be entrepreneurs. And one of the ways I know that they're not an entrepreneur is this ability. It's the ability to, to create something in your head so vividly, so accurately that it's a complete illusion and delusion to someone else. They would think you're nuts. They would think I'm nuts if I show the world. Who is that lunatic sharing that shit with the world? That's the truth. Because people can't see it because it's not their dream. Their mind isn't been trained, doesn't have the ability, does, isn't worked like a muscle to think that big. And so one of the things about thinking that big is, is that you're doing what we're talking about here which is what Matthew is talking about, which is seeking the opportunities because they prepare you for what happens, not because they're going to get you the money right now or get you the girl you want right now. No, you're building ideas and the girl you want for your life or boy or woman, man, sorry, 
um, or business you want, it goes from trialing and error and learning what you truly want in life. And along that, and we talked about this, Matthew and I, beforehand, it's about where you can make the most impact doing it. So making the most impact is also rotating and making new impact in new people's lives. And so I like this. I like that you've been such an inspiration to the Australian community. I think that one of the things that I want to just touch on is Australia for a long time, and there's a documentary on this about the boat race against the United States where Australia won the boat race, America's Cup, I believe it's called, um, one time, and it was this big deal. And he won it once, and then he won it, and then it was done. But the guy who lost who was American came back, and he kept winning again, even though he won the first time. And I get the win, but during the time they mentioned the tall poppy thing that goes on, in Australia, which is knocking down the growth. And so one of the reasons I became so focused on Australia, because I do believe that it still exists. I do believe that it was worse before, but I do believe in the flattening of the world and the way Australia demassed so quickly and gave their citizens the freedom and renaissance them out of a dark age so quickly to lack of a better term, during COVID, that it's less like that because that shock suddenly and that back set, well, maybe it still exists and people are knocking down. There's this group of entrepreneurs that sort of have come out amongst COVID. I mean, I could be wrong, but that's sort of you live there. You're chimed into this energy and I want to get back into hashtag uh, burger and waffles, but I want to touch on this culturally just for a second. There, I, I agree. There is a lot more people now propping each other up. Um, really, really good example is there's a, a burger place out here called the Broken Hearts Burger Club. Um, they started off as peer review burgers, um, probably around the same time that we were transitioning from our dark kitchen uh, into our brick and mortar premise. And they now have five sites they've got an amazing an amazing burger they're in my uh, they're in my top two of, of burger places that are in brisbane um and <laughs> they came into my shop the other day for for lunch we sat down we had a chat we spoke about the burger world and what's going on and um is there anything that you need and that was the question that was asked i'm like at the moment no i'm actually let's see if you guys had some COVID. to talk went boot grabbing COVID test and these like these guys i've got one store they've got now five and <laughs> what i see a lot of people doing is why are you or asking is why would you sit down and talk to these people like they're your competition i'm like no they're not <laughs> they're in the doing the same i could learn from them and they could learn from me and they've got the same type of mindset and that's what i like about this is that they were able to sit down and go man you got some awesome sides we need to up our sides game i'm like bro you're bunzer beautiful where do you get your buns from and that was the conversation that was had and is there anything that you need and and that's happening a lot more in in my world um where people are more than likely to put their hand up and go hey is there anything that you need can i give you a hand or something um and that for me is is creating connections between people that then ultimately value your own circle and your own worth because then you can go oh, I know a guy that does some really mad digital media stuff. Maybe I could connect him with you because you're looking to do a video. Like that kind of uh, mindset, I think, uh, is really, really important in business 
where take a step back and it used to be like, no, that's my information. You can't have it. Um, which doesn't promote growth. It doesn't promote business growth and it doesn't promote personal growth. Um, the more minds that can work on one thing together, the better it's going to be. Um, and then we're all successful, right? So that's, that's the way that I see that, that talk. It's still there. Don't get me wrong. It's definitely still tall poppy syndrome around here. Uh, but it is, it is improving. And, um, yeah, Brisbane's getting a lot better at that. And that's why you're seeing in the culinary world, a lot more improvements in the foods and the restaurants and the styles and, and the way that we're all kind of coming together a little bit more to improve, um, what is, what is well known as a very slow town businesses. Uh, Brisbane is a, a very slow town compared to, um, your Melbournes and, and your Sydney's and stuff like that. So yeah, hundred percent, man. And with, with hashtag, and that's what we've done is we've, we've gone out, we've spoken, we've learned, we've eaten, we've made mistakes. We've, uh, improved on those mistakes and made them better. Um, and now we're kind of bringing it all together into the, to the franchising aspect. Um, so, so Kate and I, for 2023, and that's our focus, uh, is we've got this brand that is absolutely amazing. The food is really good. Uh, it's making money. It's cool. It's successful. So now let's give other people the opportunity to be able to own a business themselves. That is a hell of a lot of fun and it's really quite cool. Um, so our, motto is franchising with a conscience franchising always been known in queensland as being oh the franchise always there to rip people off that's all that they do we're the complete opposite in every sense of the word i would rather have five franchisees that have three stores and are hella successful in every aspect of their life than have 35 different franchisees that are only mediocre i agree with you 100 percent yeah. Yeah, and that's how I'm looking to that's how I'm looking to to build this franchise um is to do it with people um that are of the same energy as us and to help build and bolster this brand to be something absolutely amazing and something that I know that, that it can be. And this will go back to what you said a couple of minutes ago about you got to have that faith. You know what this can be and I've got this vision in my mind of how it is going to be and I'm going to do what I need to do to create that. So, and that's that's what we're focusing on now. Yeah, very cool. And I'm gonna let you let everyone know where they can find you on social media, and then let you just wrap up if you could leave everything, just anything that was inspiring or or things I could do. I'll let you have the mic for a while, just as an overall like core values, whatever you want to talk about. If you could leave anything behind, or people could hear your voice, what would you say? Mm. And I'll give you a second to think about it while I talk about this. Um, First up, uh, you can find the podcast on Shopify or anywhere else you grow yourself through podcasts. So please do that. If you like what's being shared on here or you get value out of it, please leave us a positive review. And please also share it with the audience out there. These entrepreneurs are going out. They have very good value for any food entrepreneurs out there, maybe even entrepreneurs out there um, that we're doing. So I think that that's important that that happens. And I make note of that. Um, I want to just quick touch on a couple things that we talked about while you're thinking about that. Um, some of the things that, that I think is, and I'm actually going to have Matthew back on and him and I are going to coordinate another episode just because I keep doing this, but I hit an energy wave and I write down like 15 notes and questions that I never get to ask and we hit an energy wave. So I want to come back and do like a Q and a and do a part two with you, Matthew, and you and I can coordinate if that's okay with you. 
I'd love that. That'd be amazing. So I'll do that and we'll get that done. And uh, because I have like a lot here and it's just too much for me to try to wrap up in a closing commentary. So I'm going to leave it with this right before you. I think the most important thing that we do as entrepreneurs and you'll see I've done this now with Sweden recently and now I'm doing with Australia. I'm going to keep trying to bridge these international gaps with everyone. Okay. Because Mm. what happens as food entrepreneurs is there's a a ton of us out there and I'm going to keep repeating this. And those of you listening to the podcast may have heard this before, but there's more of us out there than any other entrepreneurial group. There's also more of us out there fighting for freedom and free market than any other group in the world. There's also more of us creating jobs and opportunities and fulfilling dreams for people than anyone else. Okay, so I am trying to align everyone here on an international basis. I am obviously in national. I'm trying to support the community here and I'm a United States citizen and I believe in America and I'm a patriot and go America. But ultimately, the long run, no matter what countries are still standing a thousand years from now or if we're on this planet or not, is whether or not this entrepreneurial spirit continues because without it and without the East and West Indian trading companies starting as the first businesses ever, which was based on trade, and they were Dutch, we would not be here today, okay? And that was an entrepreneurial spirit that came out of a renaissance period and the aggressive growth of trying to explore the world. Bad or good, you can argue whatever, but it launched what is the biggest freedom fighter for human rights that has ever existed. Businesses are the greatest equalizer. Why? It doesn't matter. We're trying to make money here. Is money the most important factor? No, because the only way to make money is when everyone's the same or we treat everyone fairly, or however you want to look at it, you're doing the right thing. We can throw a thousand different core values in there. But the important part is that when we learn, when we stack the core values, we learn the morals, the ethics, the integrity. And then we also stack the skill sets from the experience and the education on top of them. It starts creating distance that is so far and few between that even when you go have conversations with people they don't even know who you are they're like oh people don't know or don't aren't like you that is a compliment that is not an insult okay it is not me trying to be someone else it's me being true to myself and turning up the volume on the things that i was born to do You can look at my post on Instagram about this on my birthday. I was born an entrepreneur. I was born a warrior athlete. I was born a farmer. I was born, you know, a leader. And I was born a protector. Those are five things that were born into me that I know was instilled in me from the day I was born. You can read about them on there. But when he's talking about purpose, and we're talking about purpose in life, It's finding these things that align with the things and way you're supposed to, how should I say, exert those skills. Okay, for me, it was food. Now it's leadership, mentorship, podcasts. It was restaurants. It was food trucks. Like I I paint a thousand pictures. I'm like Leonardo da Vinci. I do sculptures. I do paintings. I do anything. Um, I'll design a flying contraption that could possibly fly. 
okay? I am not limited in my thinking that I can only just be good at one thing or that I should master just one thing. No, what I am mastering is the uncomfortability in knowing that I need to grow in every possible thing that I can. And I don't know how, when everyone comes to me, the answer is not with me ever. I am just a resource. The answer is with asking yourself the right questions and growing yourself and being true to who you are, not true to who you think the world wants you to be or the world will accept you to be, truly to who you are, not to try to make an image or be loud or get fame or get insta-famous. It's to be a true person. And in this world that we live in, particularly with COVID and the mass that we discuss, we've lost a lot of the genuineness that made humans human. It was already going down a bad slide to begin with, but we just elevated it to a whole new level. And as entrepreneurs and people that listen to this podcast and the delivers of food and happiness and unifying people together, it is our duties to try to make the world a more positive place and create the place where dreams are fulfilled. It doesn't mean we are saviors. We are filming this or recording this on Christmas. I want to be clear. We are facilitators of the dream and the plan. We are not the saviors. We do not save. We facilitate. Okay? And so doing that means we have a great responsibility in the things that we do to do the right thing for the right reason and not just try to get money from people or rip people off. Okay? And why I touched upon the core values of the gambling was for this point. Because we grow and we learn integrity along the way. And we're not always born with it. And certainly our families don't always give it to us. But we do and can, no matter how old we are, go learn it and go change. An old dog can new, learn new tricks. I will show you. I do it all the time. So with 100%. that... I'll give you the thing, Matthew. I won't wrap up. We're definitely going to have you back on, but take us home. Tell us where we can find you on social media also, but it's all yours. Yeah. Awesome. So jump on uh, so Instagram, Facebook, uh, hashtag burgers and waffles. There is somebody there that's trying to, uh, trying to duplicate us. Um, so we're hashtag burgers and waffles, but underscore under the yes, and then they'll find us on, on Instagram. Um, also on TikTok. I think everybody needs to be on TikTok these days. So go check us out on TikTok, Instagram, social media, website, all of those things. And you can also email us direct uh, if you like to. So just remember we are franchising. So if there's anything there that anybody wants to jump I think you're uh... So one, one thing uh, you touched on was uh, to, to leave some, some parting words. And I think one of the things that have, uh, have, have really been prevalent throughout my whole experience is people. And that's the only thing that I can um, bring everything back to. So never discount somebody for, for anything. Right? And that's, that's such an important thing for me is if I wouldn't have asked the open question to somebody to teach me something from the, from the get-go, I wouldn't be where I am today. Right? So listen to people, learn from people, because there's always going to be people out there that know more than you do. Um, and I think as soon as you, you know, you're open to that fact that there's going to be people that are more successful, that know more than you do, and you can learn from that, then you'll start to grow. Um, so always, always uh, yeah, listen, listen, love and learn, man. 100%.
Very cool. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. Thank you for spending Christmas with me, Matthew. You're my uh, you're my Christmas you're my Christmas guest. I guess I've seen a few people out in Christmas the world today. Elf. Yeah, and I visited a few of the homeless people around and gave them some money today. So I have right, been out and about and stuff, that. and it is cold here in Nashville. So staying warm has been quite difficult, but. Uh, for the homeless especially and without the tourist business down right now because it's the winter time and not many tourists come here they're not getting much money to get food and stay warm so I talk about it in the Christmas Eve episode that I had uh, I edited some out and it'll be going back online Uh, let's stay before Christmas Eve actually episode and um, I talk a little bit about it in there but it is something that I think just as we're all conscious and we're all in the food entrepreneurs and we're in the food business that there are a lot of people out there. Obviously you don't want to set precedent where you get a line out the door of people needing food, but also there are people in need of food. So, uh, warm food. So, I mean, how we solve that problem as entrepreneurs, where we balance that, where we don't set an expectation, but we also give service and don't have food wasted. I don't know. I haven't figured it out yet, but maybe someone will. So with that being said, everyone, I guess Merry Christmas right now as we're recording and Merry Day after Christmas as this is released. So thank you, Matthew. You're amazing. I'm so glad you came into my life all the way from Australia, halfway around the world. And I look forward to having you back on. And guys, you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself from podcasts. Have a good one. Appreciate you, man. Thank you.